The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. There it is, the announcement by the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have acquired Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons. When I got the text message from one of our writers at PFT that Calvin Ridley had been traded to the Jaguars, I'm thinking, Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley, why does that name sound familiar? Oh, yes, Calvin Ridley, the guy who got suspended for at least a year for, God forbid, picking up his cell phone device playing a legal parlay when he wasn't even with the team, wasn't even around, completely disconnected from the Falcons on the non-football injury list. He's in a state or a place. I don't know if it was legal. Is it legal? I don't know where he was. I'm sure it was if he was able to do it on his phone. And, yeah, it's legal now. It's legal in most states. Some states not yet, but it's getting there. And uh, he gets kicked out like $1,500. Not that that's an insignificant amount of money, but for him it is. And he gets kicked out of the league for a year. He's now a member of the Jaguars for a fifth-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-rounder. He is suspended at least through this season. He can apply for reinstatement on February 15. I'm sure the conditional fourth-rounder is tied to whether or not he gets back in. So, you know, he's a guy who was a first-round pick. He was the replacement for Julio Jones, promising player. The Falcons decide to move on, and the Jaguars get a guy that they can pair with Christian Kirk. And and give Trevor Lawrence a little more help. Yeah, that's right. They got a they got a lot of you know young talent on their team already. They can afford to you know ship some draft picks out the door. It's another proven commodity. It's another thing that helps you know further along your franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And you said it, Mike. I mean, Calvin Ridley before this suspension and all that was really coming into his own. It was like. One of the better receivers in all of football. Certainly the go-to guy on the Atlanta Falcons. You know, another guy that really is is can beat you deep. Great route runner. I mean, 
He's he's got it all. I mean, he's a he's a definite number one receiver in the NFL. Hopefully, he's staying in shape and everything like that during this year. But you know, as far as as young as he is, and the things that I do know about him off off the field, he's a worker and all that. That you know, I think this is a smart move by them. Again, a plan planning for the future and a, and a proven commodity to where you know he know what he is. And man, you couple him with Christian Kirk and. Uh, and Evan Ingram and, and the ATN out of the backfield, there, there's a lot of positive things. Marvin Jones is getting up there in years, so you wonder how long he'll be there. Uh, so I think there's a lot of reasons why this is a, a good move for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, and uh, we, we assume Ridley's going to get back in. It, it really – I understand. I understand. It's a tough it, one, right, with Im- this one? It's an important integrity of the exactly. game issue. It, it is. also oozes – with hypocrisy. Yes, it does. The NFL too. making so much money from these gambling partnerships after decades of shunning any talk, any discussion. The NFL actively fought against the states that were trying to get the Supreme Court to overturn the law that prevented states from instituting legalized wagering and all the evils that were spelled out by Roger Goodell. And now they just ignore them. They gloss over them. You know, he talked when, when Delaware tried to do this in 2009, he said on the record that, you know, when you do this, if there's a bad call, people are going to be suspicious that the fix is in. Well, here we are. And what happens? There's a bad call and people are suspicious that the fix is in. It's that. So, so instead of fixing inconsistency issues with officiating they just kind of ignore it and it it just it adds to this perception that something's not right with all of this but calvin ridley gets suspended for a full year because he did something more stupid than sinister yeah in playing a parlay on his phone which anyone can do and again he's not using inside information he's not even part of the team it, it really is sad that it happened hopefully he gets back in chris sooner than later odo beckham jr definitely getting back in sooner than later whether it's this month, whether it's next month, he's in a position where he can pick his next team. Yesterday, Giants GM Joe Shane talking about the possibility of a New York reunion with the guy that they acquired initially in round one of the 2014 draft. Here he is. He's been a good player. He's a guy you know we would consider and talk to um, when he's healthy. Uh, I think he did the ACL in, in February, so um, not sure really where he is um, you know, physically, but yeah, any player that uh, upgrade the roster, we're gonna we're gonna consider and have conversations with their representatives. Yeah, um, here's the thing that I'll keep saying. Yeah, if you wait until he's healthy, you've waited too long, because somebody's gonna move just before he's fully healthy. Somebody's gonna pounce as they understand he's closing in on being ready to play. I think this idea that we're all just collectively sitting back and doing nothing until he can pass a physical and be cleared to play is foolish. And maybe it means the Giants really aren't interested. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to offend him. Shane also said he had no idea that Beckham was in the building. He was there to visit Sterling Shepard after Shepard tore his ACL. That was a few weeks ago, and it was couched as, oh, he's visiting the Giants. Well, not really because the Giants don't even know he's there, and he didn't talk to Shane or Brian Dayball. But, you know, the Giants fall into the category of team that has a need. Definitely. Team that is contending. Yep. If if I'm Beckham, though, I look at other quarterbacks. Yeah. Sorry, I, that's, Danny Dines. Yeah, right. I look at other quarterbacks and I say, mm, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, Daniel Jones. Yeah. 
Aaron Rodgers, Daniel Jones. I hear you. Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins. I, no, I don't think the Vikings will get in and out. At one point, I thought maybe they would. Now that they have Hawkinson, I don't think they will, barring an injury to Justin Jefferson. Oops, I hope I didn't jinx him by saying that. But, uh, I look, somebody's getting him. Somebody's getting him. Peter King... When he's on on Fridays and Beckham comes up, he downplays that Beckham's going to make a contribution this year. I disagree. I think Beckham's got the potential to do what he did for the Rams last year if he lands in the right spot, Chris, and I, I know you do too. I do too, no doubt. I, you know, and again, I don't look at it to go, oh, wait, he's going to help a team you know, win the last four or five games of the regular season. I go, he'll contribute in that time of the year, but he could help and take over in the playoffs and help you win games to get to the Super Bowl. I think that's the big thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked to hear the Giants' name in this conversation. I wouldn't. I think one, like Odell Beckham Jr., I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Like you talked about, there's a need. There's comfort there. I've been there. I live there. That organization, he knows what to expect. I actually think there's a future there, too, where some of these places might just want him as a one-year rental and you're just a few-game rental for the playoffs, and then we'll see you later. You know, so that's the other thing I've heard from some teams here with the Odell thing too is he he's not he doesn't doesn't sound like he wants to be a rental. He wants to be somewhere and sign and be a part of that team for the next two or three years. So that's another element of this where I think the Giants do have an advantage. You know, but like to what you said, did he burn too many bridges there a little bit? Does the Mara family with the way Odell got out of town and some of the issues there? And it seemed like they've certainly kind of did him dirty, the Giants anyways, by trading him when he was over in Europe, right? And kind of just came out of nowhere to the Cleveland Browns. Like, you know, did they did they forgive him for some of the antics that he, you know, maybe had or did with the New York Giants? That's where at least I, I would be interested to know what their feeling is. But, you know, as far as talent, when he's healthy, we know it's real. And the Giants, you know, last week again was another game that showed that they're, they're just not good enough for a receiver. I mean, the, 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 the Seahawks, they crowded the line of scrimmage and, you know, we're not afraid to play man-to-man and we're all over the giant receivers. So Danny Dimes not a superstar, but there is a need there and it is interesting. But, yeah, Mike, I'm with you. If you made me bet, I think he'd end up somewhere else with a Josh Allen type-ish kind of guy or a Mahomes. You got Kyle Shanahan, and you've mentioned in the past that there's an affinity there for OBJ. He said yesterday he's always yeah. been a fan. But I'm definitely very happy with our receiver group. I mean, that's the issue at this point. And I think once you go all in for Christian McCaffrey, it changes the dynamic of the offense to the point where there really isn't a spot for Odo Beckham Jr. Right. There really isn't. No. And there's only one football. That's right. And they the got the point that Andy Reid was making about Kadarius Tony. There's one ball still, yeah. and I don't think Beckham would be happy there. And Jimmy G, sorry. Josh Allen, Jimmy G. Patrick Mahomes, Jimmy G. I I I have continued to hear it's going to be Buffalo. It's just a matter of time. I I mean I hope so for Buffalo for Josh Allen's sake. I think they need one other guy. I do. I love Gabe Davis. He's really good, but I think he's just he's a really good number two. I mean you know maybe it's even a really good number three. I'm not even really sure he's like a definite awesome number two. Uh, that that's where I think they need another weapon for sure down the stretch. If they're going to, you know, beat teams like Kansas city who, you know, are, are going to continue to get better on offense. And I think Kadarius Tony is going to be something there. If they want to beat the Eagles in the super bowl, you know, and talk about that, uh, that's where I look at it to go. I think you need one more guy. It's, it's still, you know, for Buffalo and as awesome as they are, 
I don't think you can look at it and just go, oh, wow, their weapons are amazing. I go, they're real good. Stephon Diggs is, is awesome. I know that. But I don't know if it compares to teams of the past few years where we look at it and go, whoa, that's some crazy weaponry right there. No, I still think it's a lot on Josh Allen making a lot happen there. I'd love to see Odell Beckham Jr. up in Buffalo. One move we didn't talk about is yeah. a move that didn't happen, and I'm looking at our document with projected break time. I'm looking at the clock. we got a little time here to mention this. Now, the Kareem Hunt trade didn't happen yeah. out of Cleveland. Kind of a surprise, but we've said, hey, look, Nick Chubb gets injured. Who's going to be your running back if Kareem Hunt's traded? Dearness Johnson, but then who backs him up? You need to have that stable of guys who are there and ready to go in the event that somebody gets banged up. But Brandon Cooks, the Texans were looking to deal him. The problem there is they gave him a contract that's very good for the player, very bad for the team, or any team that would trade for him. $18 million fully guaranteed next year for Brandon Cooks. That was an impediment to getting a deal done. Brandon Cooks wasn't happy that he wasn't traded. He tweeted, and I want to get the quote right. I'm not sure I understand it, but I want to get it right. Don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long. Those days are done. Crossed the line with playing with my career. That was the message from Cooks when he wasn't traded yesterday. There was talk he was going back to the Rams. Obviously didn't happen. Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, acknowledged they were talking to the Texans about a trade, but somebody was going to have to eat a large chunk of the $18 million. Whether it was the Texans or whether it was Cooks, somebody was going to have to do it. It didn't happen. And if you're Cooks, no reason to be upset. You got an $18 million fully guaranteed salary next year. Just sit back and enjoy it. Play wherever you play. But I think that they may have led him to believe they were going to work something out and get him traded. Sure. And I suspect there's still a chance he gets traded in the offseason if the Texans are willing to pay a large portion of that salary in order to move him to someone else and get a draft pick in return. Kind of like what they did with uh, Brock Osweiler, you know, uh, but there they gave up the draft pick yeah. to unload the $16 million. Right. This time around, it's the mirror image. They're going to pay some of the money to get a draft pick if they trade Brandon Cooks after this year. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly was had an eye open yesterday to Brandon Cooks and what might happen there. But for the point he's at in his career, you know, a guy that's got is one concussion away from being done. I mean, he's got a history there. That would scare me, and if the Texans weren't willing to pay a big chunk of that money, then yeah, I, I understand teams not making that move. That's it's a little risky there for sure for a guy that's a smaller receiver. And what I don't understand, and again, I don't know what was said behind the closed doors, but you know, I understand Brandon Cook can be angry about it. But like when I was looking at this stuff yesterday too, I'm just sitting there thinking like, wait, but but. You know, Brandon Cooks, no, nobody wanted to pay you $18 million a year. The Texans did. You can't be that mad at them. Like, uh, they, they gave you a really good deal where I don't know if anybody else out there was, was coming close to that number. And that's where I just want to, like, I know you might not be happy and they probably led you to believe they wanted to trade you or they're going to get it done. I, I, if Nick Casario told you that, I bet you he tried his hardest to do that. I don't doubt, look at Nick Casario to be a liar or a, 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 a BSer, um, but I also just sit there and go, wait, wait, they, they gave you a, you're mad because you didn't get traded because they gave you a contract that nobody else would give you and you accepted it 
and now that contract is the impediment of you getting traded. You can't be mad at you're not getting traded and you're making $18 million. That, I don't know. I just found that kind of hypocritical a little bit. And the Odell Beckham Jr. transaction last year after the trade deadline, when the Browns let him go right. and he gave up some of his guaranteed money, that created a precedent. Exactly. And Brandon Cooks wasn't he, willing to go down He could that have done path. that. Exactly. Right. Could have done it. Right. Could have done it. And I look, I'm a firm believer in getting every last dollar during your playing career because that is your primary earning cycle in your life. Yes. Once it's done, now you may go on to something bigger and better, but my goodness, for what you're making to play professional football, get it while you can. Yeah. And it would take a lot for me to say to somebody, go ahead and give up some guaranteed money. Nah, nah, you got that guaranteed money. That's that the Texans did a contract they regret and they want to move you and they want to get trade compensation, then they should be the ones yeah. to pay part of this money. But if he really wanted out, he could have done it. Look, he was a he was an Easterby guy. That may have created a sense that he was ready to move on and we'll see how it goes. He wasn't at practice yesterday. Lovey Smith, the coach of the team, called it a personal issue. They got yeah. a game on Thursday night against the Eagles. And there's no way he's getting released unless he gives up some of that guaranteed money. There's no way. No way. If that's what he's looking for now, they're not gonna, they're not going to guarantee him money to walk away. So, we'll, we'll just see. We'll they see need him to play. They, they need to they need to look respectable here. Do they? Do well, they? I don't know. I mean, Do they? tank well, baby. Well, tank, maybe. Baby tank. I just feel First bad. Tank club, don't talk about tank club. Nah, I let hear it happen. You. But damn, yeah, I just I look at it and I feel bad cuz I just go, "Well, yeah, but everybody's going to look at Lovey Smith after the year and go, "Look, he went he went 2 and 14 and 1." And we need to right. fire him. That's, and I don't feel like necessarily he's hey, been set up that way. He took that job. I know. He took that job. I mean, I feel like Nick Casario when, when, better be careful too though, just because like it, the optics are going to be coming even if they are intending to lose here. It's just like the fan base is going to go, wait, this guy's been the GM for two years now, and we stink. What are we doing? Like he's gonna, they're they're gonna put themselves in a spot here where it's just going to be so negative. They better watch out. That's the only thing I worry about because I like Nick Casario. You know, I worked with him and I have, I have great respect for him. We we had a fun interview with him at yeah. the scouting combine. Well, I was sitting here and you were there among the uh, the uh, the various COVID variants. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be able to avoid it this year. I have a You're going, have go baby. We're now, bringing you fine. there. This is fine. I love it there. Good. But when Easterby was fired, our good friend John McClain, who covered the Texans since their inception in 2002 and covered Houston sports for years beyond that, he said that Casario is safe. But if Cal McNair hires some executive VP of football operations and gives that person the power that Easterby had at one point, Casario may not be safe. He may be safe for now under the current structure, but you start introducing new personalities into the conversation and the dynamics can change. All right, we're going to change gears. Before we go, though, last segment ended with an email directed at me because I keep finding ways Uh-oh. to wedge Aaron Rodgers. So now this one's coming at me here. Here's one for you. Good. Who is it? I'm not on Twitter. It's D whoever D is. D it could be a lot of D's out there. D not D E E D period. I'm not on Twitter and Sims hair is none of my business, but please let him know that with his new haircut, he went from hot dad to 40-year-old accountant. <laughs> I love there it. There you go. Damn it. <laughs> Damn, I was a hot dad. 
Damn. All right. Now I'm just a 40 year old accountant. I, I thought I was going. I don't know if that's a male or a female, but yeah, I was trying to be, you know, Johnny classical mature guy with this haircut here. Uh, but I it's, it's almost like it's almost like a Clark Kent look. You it's, know, the, it's, the brill cream is back. It is. I'm putting pomade in my hair and I'm combing it and it takes a few extra moments in the the morning. But yeah, I'm kind of going for like, uh, you know, the Mad Men look of the, the TV show or or Leonardo DiCaprio and the great Gatsby. Uh, I got, like I told you, I got sick of hearing my mom, my wife, my sister. Everybody was complaining about that other haircut. I guess your well, mom, what, your sister, hey, whatever, and wife don't whatever want hot, it is hot now. dad haircut. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that it was hot dad. I mean, it was Gomer Pyle. I well, mean, you were ready. How to dare enlist. you disrespect D like that? D period. Shit, that person said I was hot dad. <laughs> um, Damn it, I was going to say something, and it was going to be really good, and now I forget what yeah, it is. Yeah. It was a slap on it is, you. You're kind of old. Damn this it. is when you forget things like Damn this. It. You're old now. You're getting towards 60. You're getting old. Oh, I, here's my question. What? Just shut the <laughs> up. Here's my question. When you smoke. Yes. <laughs> and the next day. Yeah. When, when you're, like, drying your hair after a shower. Do you ever notice that your hair smells like it? Well, I, 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 I'm a little bit, if I have a, like an OCD, I, I probably shower too much. It's probably the worst thing I do for the environment is I waste water on my showers, right? Yes. But I know it's, it's one of my, my big Don't things. move to California. But uh, I shower before I go to bed every night because of that. That is one of the reasons I do because like I had noticed in the past when I would go to bed and if I had smoked that night, I'd be like, oh, my pillow even might smell smoky or I could even get whiffs of it just coming off my skin or whatever. So I always shower before I go to sleep, even on nights I don't smoke, but I'm definitely, you know, all over it when I smoke. On those two nights or so a week that I have a cigar, I'll. I, like sometimes, like when I'm drying my hair, rushing to get up here, it's like yeah, you can smell it coming out of there. I know smoke coming out of my hair. I know not yeah. cigarettes, cigar smoke. Yeah. God, I don't smoke cigarettes. Damn, yeah, that yet. would be awesome. You're doing cigarettes now? Woo! Unfiltered oh. camels, just like my dad. I mean, my dad lived to seventy six. Right, seventy almost seventy seven. And smoked those things like they were going out of style, he right? Those damn. I mean, <laughs> he was the literal chain smoker. Yeah, I remember hearing the term chain smoker, and it's like. Dad, what's a chain smoker? And as he's lighting his current, his next one with his current one, he's like, son, I don't, I'm not familiar with that term. Yeah. So uh, anyway. It is crazy. Uh, that was the he, era. I know. Oh, butts full of ashtrays everywhere you went. My mom and my dad constantly smoking, constantly, constantly, nonstop, all day long. Oh, I, I used to, my, my, on the Sims family side, my dad, you know, my grandparents on that side, you know, Barbara Sims, who I've talked about, God rest your soul. She was awesome. But yeah, both, you know, my grandparents on that side, I mean, they smoked like that, that thing was going out of style. And I remember as a little kid, I mean, just waking up in the morning if we were there and going out to the kitchen table and it'd be 6:45 in the morning and they'd be sitting there smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and the whole kitchen would be a cloud and they'd just be playing pinochle or cards together and i just just uh pinochle. i know right and i think about it now and i'm just like oh my gosh how the times have changed over the last 20 30 years <sighs> pinochle at some point became and this was the craze Early to mid-70s, Saturday night, my mom's friends from the neighborhood would come to the house. They would drink wine and 7-Up mixed together, 
and they would smoke cigarettes all night long. There would be a haze. It was like an old-school boxing match with that haze over the ring. They would play Pokino, which was a combination of bingo and cards, where it was a sheet that had cards on it. You used the deck of cards, and then you put your little chip based upon what card it was, and you tried to line up poker. It was just a weird game. But I've never heard that one. That was, that was the thing. Pokino. Yeah. Pinochle became Pokino, and the house was full of secondhand smoke, and somehow I'm still alive. Somehow Let's you are. take a break. After further review, when this Wednesday edition of PFT Live continues. Right there we now. are. Hey, old sport. Hey, there you are. There you are. <laughs> That's what I'm going for, D period. That's what I'm, is that bad, bad, bad? I mean, gosh, he doesn't look like an accountant to me. He looks like a damn handsome, cool guy. I want to party and smoke one with that guy right there. <laughs> Around any corner. Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. It's after further review time. We're going to start on this one from Seattle. Just over two minutes to go. Seahawks leading 27 to 13. Geno Smith scrambles for a big first down. Pete Carroll, as he is wont to do, gets a little excited and bumps into a referee and draws a flag. Here's a... Jerome Boger announcing the penalty that was called on Pete Carroll. Here he is. Look at it. After the play was over, sideline interference. The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners was in the restricted area. 15-yard penalty. After the enforcement of this penalty, it will be first and 10. We know a thing or two about a guy that was engaged in sideline interference once upon a time. I was going to say. Playoff game. It's just like me. Got, it's just like me. He was saying sorry to the guy as he was getting bumped still because you're so in shock and he know you're in trouble. that As soon as you get touched, you're going, oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was great. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, also, there were uh, other issues in that game. This one was funny. Jerome Boger mistook the Seahawks for the Seattle Mariners. At one point while calling a penalty. Well, he just called it. Did you not hear it? Oh, are that's you, where you did it. I didn't hear that part. You sure? I didn't hear I, I was too busy thinking about how to properly make reference to the to time me? you almost got knocked on your ass in the playoff game. I didn't realize he said Seattle Mariners in that call. I yes. thought it was on a different call. No, he did. So, he said it on there. He said it there. Yeah, right, right. right. He, he said Seattle right. Mariners. Come on, old timer. Keep up today. All right. What's going on we got with another you? One too. We got another one, too. Instead of calling out all the bad calls, we're just having a little fun with some of the things that happened. We'll get to some of the questionable calls yeah. in a second. Boger wasn't the only official to have a brain fart on Sunday. I'm just reading what's written here. I didn't write brain fart, but it says brain fart, so I'll say brain fart. Listen to the official in the Steelers-Eagles game announce this penalty. <laughs> this is good. Delay of game. Defense number 55. For making a move that's not necessary and unlike football. It's a half a distance penalty. We'll replay fourth down. Yeah. Cleet, I can relate to that. Sometimes you're just in the middle of a sentence and you don't know how you got there and you don't know how you're getting out of it. And you just keep talking 
until the time comes to stop talking. I, I like how he just owned it, though. He kind of giggled and laughed and was like, yeah. A little in the hand. I, met, like, I yeah, messed it up. It's all right. You guys yeah. got the picture. It's a penalty on that team. Uh, that was good. He, I don't know what he was trying to do, though. I mean, that's well, a far cry from he's giving him the business down there. Uh, well, it was. I, You know, that's the part. I've only seen that. I, I haven't gone and looked as far as what Brandon Graham actually did there. So that's where... You know, I, I was, you know, I, I was curious. Did he kick the ball or something like that or, and, you know, delay a game? That's usually what it, it is in those. Or threw a cleat or the guy's helmet fell off, right, and threw it out of the way. I wasn't sure what went down to, to lead up to that, you know, uh, <laughs> horrible <laughs> penalty call there. And and it's 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 funny to see Cleet Blakeman or any other referee say anything other than the very mechanical – specific holding number 67 offense 10 yard penalty still first down it's 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 a formula it's not actual speaking i remember the guy who was the guy who was a great and respected referee mike carey yeah great and respected referee yep awesome then he became the CBS rules analyst, and he was a disaster. And one of the reasons he was a disaster is he never had to actually say anything. <laughs> All he ever had to say was the penalty, the number, the consequence. Yeah. Now you got to actually talk. Right. You have to actually speak extemporaneously. You have to put sentences together. It can be a daunting task when you're on live TV. It takes some time. And he got thrown into the middle of it without a net. He's instantly he's working with your dad on the number, you know, number yeah, one team on right, CBS. Right. You get thrown into that and you're not ready for it. Yeah. And it's a far cry from holding number sixty seven offense, ten yard penalty, still first down. Right. Yeah, there's a chance there's a chance you're gonna you're gonna freak out a little bit. Yeah. I sure would. Yeah. I I, I hear you. You're right. It's, hey, listen, I, I don't know. You're right. For the most part on the field, you're kind of a robot. You get to that job and yeah, you gotta you gotta talk a little bit more. And yeah, for as awesome as a referee was, he he certainly, you know, was not his best as far as what what should be called there. Oh, I think this is a penalty or not. That's and being very polite. Yeah, that that's was being very polite. Basically, was, whatever Mike Carey said, the opposite was true. Pretty much. But it's crazy because he so was an amazing ref. In, that's right. When you're so lost in the process of communicating the words, yeah. your brain short circuits right. on what you're trying to say. Right. And and hey, look, he. With, like anything else, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. I mean, fortunately, I've managed to convince NBC to let me do this long enough that I'm no longer as bad as I once was. But through <laughs> reps and through time, you get to the point where you can speak extemporaneously and loosely and not have a script in front of you, not be reading off of a card. You just say whatever's there. Except when I said brain fart, that was reading off of the card. But, hey, whatever you put on that card, I'll say. I, I got no problem with that. But... Yeah, I do you remember like the first time you had to actually in any setting look into a camera and talk and make sense? Do you remember that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, no question. I mean, it happened to me a few times just as a as a kid growing up. 
And I remember That's being n- in, when you were on with Regis Philbin, right? Right, that or and, you know, and your dad was afraid you were going to drop an F bomb. I, I was, I was throwing F bombs around everywhere at the house, so he was afraid that I was going to go on TV and do the same damn thing. He was, he was dead scared. If, uh, we got to one day. I got to get that that thing there so we could watch that clip again because he's and then he's you insulted Danny DeVito. Uh, yeah, he was kind of leaning over the whole day because he was worried about he was going to put his hand over my mouth in case one of those words came out. <laughs> uh, gosh, the, the good old days. <laughs> the last guy they'd have to worry about, the seven-second delay for the four-year-old kid. Little <laughs> did they know. For me, I just remember a time that I, I did a thing for NFL Network years ago before they concluded that I'm a complete asshole. And I had to – sorry. I had to they, – they said just – it was live to tape. Live to tape, which I didn't know what that meant. So many of these terms, I didn't know what they mean then. And I'm not still sure that I do now. But I do know what live to tape means. They're recording it. And they're going to play it back. And they're not going to edit it. It's live. We'll do it live. So I was told, just always look into the camera when you're talking. Just look into the camera. Whatever you do, look into the camera. So that's my instruction. So I know that I'm supposed to look into the camera as I am right now. But when I was doing it for the first time... The, I felt like this, like, like this camera, like, what are you looking at camera? And I felt my eyes constantly going over here. Like, Oh, I'm supposed to look at the camera. And, and like, I have to look at the camera, but my eyes were always being drawn away from it because I knew I had to look at the camera. I just remember, I'll never forget that. I think it was like 2008, 2007, something around then. So anyway, <laughs> you got better. You never forget that first time. Got better. Oh God. Well, it couldn't have gotten much worse. <laughs> so anyway, poor Mike Carey, Mike Carey taking strays today. Uh, all right, let's get to, the most controversial call of the weekend, even though it was an accurate call. It's not a rule that's applied consistently, Christopher. No, it's not. But it is a rule that's been on the books since 1997. They had a problem. They had an issue. Guys were scoring touchdowns. Emmett Smith rule. Yes. That's how I always understood it. It was Emmett Smith. He was doing it throughout the 90s. Every time he'd score, he'd take it off. And then the rest, more and more people started to do it in the NFL. They were like, holy cow, it was, it was, that was every touchdown celebration. Take my helmet off so you could see my face and all of that. And, yeah, the NFL put a stop to that. And God, God forbid, God forbid we should want to let the players show the world who they are underneath this robot costume that yeah. they're required to mm-hmm. wear. God forbid that we allow them to have a sliver of individuality as they are celebrating their accomplishment. But that's what happened. This incredible pass, 67.6 yards in the air from Philip Walker, P.J. Walker. Longest throw in the air since 2016. D.J. Moore takes the helmet off, jumps into the stands. When you come down, you see Stephen Sullivan, 84, helmet off for him as well. My understanding is the flag was thrown for both actions, not just Moore. And, you know, Chris, there, there was a discussion about whether or not Moore's should have been a penalty because he's beyond the field of play. He's still in the field. The way they write this rule, th- th- there's no loophole for if you no. cleared the end oh, zone, oh, you we, can what, take He your stepped out off. of bounds, and now you can yeah. like what, we, everybody oh, would do. You that. could step everybody, out of the bounds I, and do a personal foul there, and then nothing will happen. What, that yeah. makes no sense for the people well, that thought well, that was an issue. Yeah, go ahead. But but here, here here's the rule: removal yeah. of helmet by player in the field of play or the end zone during a celebration or demonstration or during a confrontation with a game official or any other player that is unsportsmanlike conduct. So when you look at the, and I'm going to lawyer this field of play or the end zone, 
okay? When they throw in or the end zone, that implies field of play means the gridiron. 100 yards long, 53 and a third yards wide. Anything beyond that, you can remove your helmet. That's not the intent of the rule. They don't want guys, as part of a celebration, throwing off their helmets and running around. Whether or not they should care is a different issue. Right. But that's the rule, and it's been in place for 25 years. This isn't some new twist. This is a rule that's been around. And it was for this specifically. Touchdown celebration, take your helmet off. That's why they made the rule. Yeah. And Sullivan was – Pete Demolitis told us yesterday Sullivan was on the field because I thought maybe he ran in from the sideline, which still is a violation. It's a different violation. Sullivan was on the field during the play. He took his helmet off. He was clearly in the field of play or the end zone when he did. But, yeah, they don't want guys throwing their helmets off to celebrate. You take your helmet off back when you're in the bench area because you're not in the game anymore. That's when you take the helmet off. So the problem is it's not consistently applied. No, that's the problem. We see guys do this and not get flagged for it on a regular basis. Remember, wasn't there a play – Week one last year, Tampa Bay and Dallas drive for the Cowboys should have been extended because Devin White threw his helmet off. Wasn't it Devin White that, that did been, that? I think you're right. After a big third down stop, took right. his helmet off and threw it down. Right. And and it wasn't called. Right. An example of the inconsistencies yeah. that are rife in the application of the NFL's rules. That, that, it, it is inconsistent. You see it. You know, I think a lot of refs too. And, and I, I see players sometimes. You know, they play it off like, oh, you know, something's wrong with my helmet, and I had to do that. I think that's where referees kind of get chicken, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, when it's on the field to play. Oh, well, maybe he got popped off a little bit and he's taken. So they've kind of like stopped doing that. This one was egregious. This one was one was I was watching live when he did it. I went, ooh, I wonder if they're going to go throw the flag. I think we all did because this was like totally celebration, eat it, I'm in your face, all of that. And, again, I know it's not always called here, but this was a little different than normal. I mean, it was unbuckle the chin strap, take the helmet off, jump into the stands, do all of that. And it was correctly applied. You're right. It's just not consistently applied the right way. But, you know, I I certainly, when I was watching it, and you were watching it too, when he did that, I went, ooh, I wonder if there's going to be a flag. And then we saw the yellow thing on the bottom and go, oh, they're going to get him. What an idiot he is for doing that. And it is amazing how many people thought that just because he was off the sideline that that shouldn't be called because it wasn't the field to play. You know, the end zone technically is not the field to play. So that's where people got to – the field to play is 100 yards, like you but, said. But either way, well, well, your point's real. But it says field of player end zone, yeah. and that's caused some to conclude that once you get beyond the end yeah, zone, you're right. beyond the white stripe, it's fair game. That makes no sense. Makes no sense, right. When we consider the purpose of the rule. It was Levante David, not Devin White. Oh, that's who he it was. He failed to make an interception on a third down play. Right. He had an interception in his hands. He dropped it and he threw his helmet off. Tampa was leading the game at the time, 14 to 13. He wasn't flagged, but he was fined $12,875. And look, Chris, one of the reasons maybe why DJ Moore didn't think in that spot, because it's not called consistently. Yeah, you see it. Some coaches maybe don't hammer it. I mean, think, think, about, think about who the coach of the Panthers has been the last three, uh, three years, Matt Rule. You think Matt Rule was so buttoned up that he was aggressively coaching guys, don't take your helmet off, don't take your helmet off, don't take your helmet off? I think that's one of the nuances that was probably lost on Matt Rule. So, you know, you got to drill things like that into the heads of the players because you never know when it's going to bite you in the ass. And it bit the Panthers in the ass. It pushed the extra point try back 15 yards. 
Eddie Pinheiro missed it, and then they went to overtime, and obviously the Panthers lost the game. But it's it's I can't think of a stunning play like that that ever was followed by such a deflating moment caused by the guy who made the play. Yeah, I know. Directly caused by him. I know. And it is, there's, you know, for another day, the conversation of whether that should be allowed or not, you know, we, we, we should have that. But it, it is one where, you know, again, you get into, wait, the emotions of the game and the moment, or, you know, that's where, hey, I, I do feel for him. You know, I feel for a lot of these guys with these type of penalties where, you know, just getting in the face of another guy and going, well, yeah, you're trying to knock each other's heads off and that guy said something and you get in the face. It's an emotional football game. That's what we want from these guys. So that's where we, it doesn't always match up the way no, we, we'd like they, it to. They expect them to be robots. Yeah. They expect them to instantly flip the switch. It is unrealistic, and it shows that the people in charge of the sport too many people in charge of the sport don't know how the sport is actually played or they don't care. They want to impose their will on these players because they're the boss and the players aren't, and it's not good for the game. It's not good for anybody. Let's take a break. Power rankings usually not good in the estimation of some of you out there, but you love to hate them. You get a chance to do that when we go over the Week 9 Power Rankings next on PFT. looks fakes still looking he is going deep down the far side and it is AJ Brown again another touchdown and off power coming left foot in the ground first down and more 50 good block from the tight end sideline keep running 10 5 touchdown Tony Pollard in motion McCaffrey backwards pass to McCaffrey and he's going to throw down field wide open Brandon Ayer touchdown Our good friend Paul Allen has a way with words. Yes, he does. We have a way with ranking teams from 1 to 32, the power rankings. We unveil them every Tuesday. We talk about them every Wednesday, presented by Google Pixel. Not a whole lot of changes, but they are not a top five team, you dumbass. Why did you put them in the top five, Chris? That's what I'd like to ask you. All right, Mr. Google Pixel power ranking guy. All right. I don't know either. I, you know, who else would be number five right now? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's it is a good conversation. It really is. I, I'm one here, Mike, that I will sit here and tell you that I would have the Tennessee Titans or the Ravens at five. I, in fact, I would probably, Mike, if I'm going to just give you my one critique and and who the hell am I? And you know, you could tell me to shut up, and I'm I'm sure you you're will a wannabe anyways. Leonardo DiCaprio. That's who you are. <laughs> That's right, old sport. But but I look at like I would almost. I think I would put the Titans at five, the Ravens at six, the Dolphins at seven, and I'd move the Vikings and the Giants down behind that. I think all three of those teams hey. are better than the Vikings and the Giants. Here's the problem. Bro. Yeah, I know. If I, if I, do, I would be all day long <laughs> getting emails from angry Vikings fans saying you're not respecting the team. They're six and one. Six and one has to count for something. And, that's ultimately it. Six I know. And one. There, there's I know. a, there's a certain element of 
old school UPI AP college football rankings right. that factor into this. You are where you are until you lose. And if the team's ahead of you lose, you go up. And it doesn't matter if there's a better team behind you. If they have three losses and you have none or one and you're already ahead of them, you hold that spot. That's how it always was. It was a very simple psychology before they had a college football playoff. And it was. There were two polls. There was the UPI poll, which became the USA Today coaches poll, and there was the AP poll. And they were competing. And right. some years you'd have split national championships, which I just hated. Oh, it was so stupid. But but you, you worked your way up. Yeah. You kept winning. You hold your spot. You lose. You drop. You, whoever didn't lose works their way up. And that's kind of that's why the Vikings went up one. And the Giants only went down one because they've got two losses. And how and I would have I would have never heard the end of it from Giants fans if I had dropped them below the three lost Ravens because the Giants beat the Ravens. So not only did the Giants beat the Ravens. The Giants have a better record than the Ravens. Right. And I know right now the Ravens would probably beat them, but that's not what the poll is supposed to be. It's not a predictive tool. It's not a device for saying, okay, let's see. The uh, the, the, the the Vikings and the Commanders play this week. Who's going to win? Well, the Vikings are number five and the Commanders are number 17, so the Vikings are going to win. No, it's not for that, for that purpose. So uh, – I don't know what the purpose of it is, but I guess deep down it's a simulation of the old school okay. college football ranking system. Right. That's how I look at it. Okay, I, I I got no no issue with your thought there. I, I just you know I just wanted to throw that out there to you. And you I understand the Giants beat the Ravens and the Titans. Well, they did. Yeah, I, I you know, but I just I don't know if I necessarily look at that and think that they're better than those teams, especially where they are right now. And we know the Ravens really outplayed them. Uh, so that's just I'm I'm just pushing back there, um, but yeah, I, I got no problem with your formula and how you do it. I get it. I totally do. Dolphins are another team I look at just in that conversation. That yeah, I'd I'd probably have a little higher too, just for how they played. And you know, uh, again, there's only one. That that's where I always look at you and go, yeah, it's tough. Like you had the Giants, right? Where okay, they have one more win. And one last loss in the Seahawks, but the Seahawks beat them by two touchdowns. You know that—that's where I always right. go. Damn, I'm—I wish I'm glad I'm not you, and I don't have to figure out this crap and do do with this, do, deal with this. Let me tell you, so much of the decisions ultimately are made by how much shit I'm going to take on the back end. Yeah, they really are. Okay, I'll admit it. I thought you I were tougher than that. I thought you were a little tougher. I'm than sorry. I'm <laughs> uh, Life is too short to get constant emails about how you're not properly respecting this team or this team or this team. Why is this team so low? Why is this team so high? We have to take a break. Oh, okay. We'll be back with feats of strength. And oh, what a catch for week eight right after. Feats of strength. Week eight. We go to Thursday night. Rookie center Tyler Linderbaum, who was a great college wrestler. I'd say this is a pin eventually. Oh, God, Gosh. of Devin White. Devin White had a rough night. He rough, did. rough night. Spotted loafing by the coaching staff at one point. I think it was the play where he was chasing Kenyon Drake into the end zone. No chasing going on here. This is just domination by Tyler Linderbaum of Devin White. Warren Sapp recently said he should lose the C on his jersey. That's how bad the performance was the other night. Here's Dalton Risner. 
taking out a Jaguars defensive back. This oh, is man. a product of the rule where you can't go low. The defensive back can't go low and take out that guy's leg, so no. he's got to take it face up straight on. I love and Melvin get Gordon pushing blown it up. Too. Yeah, it was great. Alvin Kamara taking it to the end zone with strength and then having the presence of mind to reach the ball across one of his three touchdowns. Great day for him. He had no touchdowns all year. He had three, and boom, taking the hit, getting it done. I think he was hampered by that rib issue early in the year more than we realized. I think so, too. He is rounding into form for he the really Saints. Is. Oh, what a catch. Back to London. It's amazing. The game that an unspecified number of people watched on ESPN+. Plus. Kwan Williams making the interception with his arm and a full cast. Take that, Steelers defensive backs that don't know how to catch. Seriously, though. I mean, really. I mean, look at that. that that's great catch. Off-target throw, but one arm, basically, to work, the, work with there. This was the catch of the week right here. Who can you trust, Aaron Rodgers? You can trust Romeo Dobbs to make a catch like that. Maybe we'll see more throws into coverage. More oh. chances by Aaron Rodgers to mess up his touchdown interception ratio. Heineke magic. No, this was awesome. Terry McLaurin bringing it down. He was spotted with his helmet off after this play, but it was in a timeout. It was not something that should have been penalized, by the way. But this is a great catch over Stephon Gilmore. Set up the game-winning touchdown and allowed me to win our oh, head-to-head I can't <laughs> win one of that those great. Jeez. Go, Commanders. DeAndre Hopkins, 12 catches, 159 yards, including this one, a beautiful one-handed catch. It wasn't enough for the Cardinals, but it was enough to make. Oh, what a catch for Week 8. Man, what he's a, changed what their offense snag. since he's he been back in there. He has not missed a beat. Seriously. Despite a six-game suspension. We'll be right back. All right, those are all the trades that happened. Ten in all on deadline deal day let's do a draft of the biggest winners at the trade deadline anyone you want anyone anyone any way you want to go player team coach whoever go you're up well I, i'm gonna go with you know the ravens and ravens with the roquan smith deal i i think that that's the one i look at to just go it's a win-win for both there that's where i love it i mean Roquan in a place that values linebackers gonna get paid the money he wants to get let alone hey it's the ravens we know the defense is coming along. It's going in the right direction. They continue to get better. But to me, him with Patrick Queen, they can stop the run pretty good. Now he gets, they get to run around and make tackles everywhere. You, know, you, you couple that with Kyle Hamilton as a young guy. Marcus Williams will be back. Marlon Humphrey. I mean, they got some things working there in Baltimore. I think it helps them not only this year, but you know, into the future. That's why I love it. Ten deals done yesterday. There were 12 names on that list, though, because we included some of the others that happened earlier this week. TJ Hawkinson is my first pick. He goes from a 1-6 team to a 6-1 team. Yeah. Hello. Right. Talk about getting the ultimate reprieve. He's now on a real contender. He was lost in a wasteland that he's been part of ever since he arrived in, in the first round of the draft a few years back. So he's a huge winner. And the Vikings also. They get a replacement for Irv Smith, a guy that they can build around at the position and a guy who who just he just he he's good. I mean, you can't have enough good players, and the guy is good. Hashtag analytics. Yeah, well, yeah, he is. He is good. There's no doubt, and he fits the style of football they want to play there. So that's where it, it's it's it all matches up. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna go to one that didn't happen here recently, but I still think it's a game changer. I'm gonna I'm gonna give. Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the biggest winners because of the, the, the Christian McCaffrey trade. Am I allowed to do that? Is that, is that not classified? Whatever as Whatever you want. Okay, you good. Whatever you want. Yeah, He's a winner in this to me. 
You know, again, we always talk about the 49ers and receivers and all that. Well, you know, you get a receiver, everybody then puts the spotlight back on Jimmy G. And it's like, oh, can he, you know, take advantage of that? And can he hit him when he's open? This is just fits in the wheelhouse of, you know, protecting him, you know, having an offense that fits how he plays, uh, you know, Shanahan's ability to play McCaffrey and Debo Samuel off of each other and then use them as, you know, decoys at times to get the ball to Kittle and Ayuk. I, I just look at that one to go. I look at the 49ers as a Super Bowl team, and I think that's one that's really going to help their offense out when it's all said and done. But they gave up a two, a three, a four, and a five to yeah. get him, and those four picks could have become other contributors. And if McCaffrey gets injured at any point between now and yeah, the end right. of the year, there's going to be a lot. The there. Super Bowl train is off the tracks, uh-huh. and this isn't a McCaffrey thing, and we're not trying to jinx him. It's the nature of the position, and that's relevant, Chris, because. One of the things making the rounds today is, hey, look what the Dolphins did with the three first-round picks they got from the 49ers as part of the Trey Lance package. And it allowed them to get Jalen Waddle, allowed them to get Tyree Kill, it allowed them to get Bradley Chubb. I'm, I'm a big believer in maximizing your players and not putting too many eggs in one basket. I'm going to say Bears because they've been able to low-key tank by dumping Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. They're not trying to win every single game now. They're easing into a better ba- a draft position. And then they get Chase Claypool to, to reverse the perception they're tanking, even though Claypool isn't a move to make them better this year. It at least erases the superficial sense they're not trying. Again, he's not going to make a difference this year this is a 2023 and beyond type move for the bears. Yeah, I, I, that's I love it too. And again, it's one where we knew they're going to draft a receiver in the draft and they just went, let's not play the lottery of, Oh, we think the drive we draft is going to be better. Like AKA the Titans with Traylon Burke over AJ Brown. They're just going to go, no, we, we know this guy's freaky and we know what he is. And that's where I do like it. And they kept him from the Packers. That's right. We'll take a break. Right. We'll do the last round of the draft when PFT live concludes right after this. All right, one more round. The biggest winners at the trade deadline. Christopher, what do you have? Well, the Dolphins. It's hard not to go with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, it's a roster that we know is extremely impressive. You know, they're they're a team that you know looks like they're the part. Uh, they have three losses. Two of them, you know, are of course without Tua, or all three are without Tua. So they're looking at themselves going, damn, we're, we're really good here. We're going to make something happen. Pass rush was an issue. Bradley Chubb, now they get him. Maybe they don't have to be as crazy and overly aggressive on defense like we've seen them get burned with. And the fact that they get Jeff Wilson, you know, a guy that, you know, that, that fits Mike McDaniels and his, his offense. And I think fits, you know, how they want their running backs to run. So now they can go Mozart to Jeff Wilson instead of Chase Edmonds, who I don't think was their cup of tea totally there. So uh, they, 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 they covered two holes there in their, in their team yesterday. A great job by them. The, the, the boring pick here is the Bills. They, they upgraded their running back position. They get Naheem Hines. They move Zach Moss. Conditional sixth-round pick. They didn't get much to get better position where they, they perceived to have a need. The more interesting pick, and this is kind of outside the box, I'd say the Rams were winners because they weren't able to make any deals. We know they were interested. They know that the F them picks machine was revved up. I think it's smart at the end of the day that it didn't happen. 
because I don't think it's going to make a difference this year. So hold back some of your picks, Rams. you got to build a team in the future. You can't just go all in in a year where it's not going to make a difference. I, I, so I agree I with was, you there. I think it was good that the Rams refrained from making a move. They weren't a player away. They're not a player away, to your point. That's what you're saying. There's a bunch of players they need, and that one guy wasn't going to fix it. That's it for today. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.